His name is Robert Jastrow. In the science community, his name is a household word. Robert Jastrow, a physicist, an astronomer, a NASA scientist, a cosmologist. He had a very large reputation related to the Big Bang Theory, that idea that the world came into being with a crashing bang about 15 billion years ago. That idea has become the most probable explanation for the origin of the universe. So when asked, however, how or what brought about the Big Bang, Robert Jastrow could only say that he did not know. He didn't know what brought it about or how, when, or, or why, rather. He didn't have enough data to be, even begin to answer those questions. Jastrow, who died in 2008, was an agnostic. But in an interview with the Christianity Today magazine before he died, he was asked if there was something he feared he might find in the search for truth about the origins of the universe. This is what he said. For a scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, not any religion, the story ends like a bad dream. Jastrow said this was his bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance, He's able to conquer the highest peak and as he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who've been there for centuries. <laughs> That's what he said. That was his bad dream. For Christians, we've also always said the world had its beginnings in God. As Christians, we say all things begin with God. Scientists can answer the how and they can answer the when questions about the world's origins. Christians have always said God is the why and God is the who. God made the world and called it good. It may have begun with a big bang, but it, its origins really began in the heart of God. It may have begun... 15 billion years ago, but its purposes have always been in the heart and in the intentions of God, the author and the giver of life. This is what we affirm. And then just as God has created the world and initiated all things, God promises to complete, bring to an end all things. God is the alpha, we say, and the omega. God is the beginning and the end. This is what we believe God, the creator and the completer. Then with every generation, there has been some talk about the days are surely coming when the world is about to end. With every generation, there are questions when things seem to get so bad. Is this the time when the world's going to end? We might well wonder about that very question in these recent days. The terror from ISIS? The terror from more mass shootings? This past week's shooting in California makes it number 355 in this year, 2015. That's more mass shootings than the number of days in 2015. All these shootings can raise questions and fears. Is this the time? And that's not all. 
We got climate change that's threatening. We got borders and refugees crashing into each other. So much alienation and heartache in the world. Okay, God is the creator of the world. Is God going to, in fact, bring completion to the world with all the mess we can name? I'd like to know, wouldn't you? We want to know. All through the pages of the Bible, these same questions come up. The names change. The places are different, but the fundamental questions are there again and again. Is God present? Is God active in the mess of the world? Does God care about what's happening? Does God care about where we are? Can God make things right, or does wickedness just continue to prosper? There are 66 books in the Bible 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. The last book in the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. Malachi is considered the last of the 12 so-called minor prophets. We don't know much about Malachi, the person. We only have Malachi, the book, the message. Most agree that the message of Malachi came around the first half of the 5th century B.C., Now, think about that. That would put it around 475 B.C., the last half of the 5th century B.C., the first half of the 5th century B.C. And his message is one of deep anguish and concern. Like many other prophets, Malachi confirmed that life was not going very well. It was messy. Everywhere you look, there were disobedient lives and the seeming absence of God. There's a potent formula there for lots of problems. People were abusing their positions of power, especially the priests who were overseeing the temple in Malachi's time. People were tending to self-interest instead of God's interests. So when things like this happen and the wicked prosper, the natural question is, where's God? Where's God to make things right? When self-interest exceeds God's interest, the community suffers. In fact, everything suffers. It seems that God's not present. We wonder, does God not care? The natural response is to bombard God with complaints. Who's in charge here? Where are you, God? When is this going to be set right? When will there be justice? Does this sound familiar? Does it sound familiar? The prophet Malachi answers. Listen to Malachi's words. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. 
This is the word of the Lord. This very passage, Malachi 3, may be the central reason that Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. There are problems everywhere you look in Malachi's time. And Malachi points straight to the advent of Jesus and John the Baptist. Malachi recognizes the problems and speaking for God says, and I quote, See, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to this temple. Life may be bad, very bad, but there's the promise. It is not to be minimized or ever forgotten. God is coming to the temple, his temple. This is not a new thought for the prophets. On many pages of the Old Testament, there's the promise that God will not forget his people, especially in the messy circumstances. God comes, the prophets keep saying, God comes to make things right. God comes, the prophets say, to establish justice. This coming by the prophets was often referred to as the day of the Lord. Malachi mentions the days of his coming. So the idea of the day of his coming, the day of the Lord, conveys the promise that God is going to usher in God's reign and it's going to cover the earth. It will be a day of judgment. The wicked could no longer stand and prosper but be punished. The oppressed, the forgotten, those neglected, well, they would be lifted and it would be a day of justice, grand justice, God's justice would prevail. The earth will be covered like the waters of the sea The people who doubted God's presence will know God is real and God is at work. He will come to bring justice. In fact, justice and judgment in the Old Testament are the same word in Hebrew, mishpat. God comes to bring mishpat, justice and judgment. And Malachi says, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can endure? Indeed, Malachi says God's coming will be like a refiner's fire and fuller's soap. Those are powerful images for the people in the early 5th century. Powerful images. A fuller was one who bleached and dyed cloth. The fuller's soap was a kind of lye used to clean cloth and he would wash the cloth and lay it out and stomp on it and leave it there to be bleached by the sun. And then the fuller would use a blast oven to melt metal into liquid and remove the dross. And so the refiner's fire and the fuller's soap are all about purging, purifying. This is what is needed in life, purifying and purging to transform character and improve life. This is what God's coming is about. Purging and purifying and transforming mishpat. Judgment and justice all wrapped up together. And then it will be pleasing to God, Malachi says. Malachi also says, see, I'm sending my messenger to prepare the way. We hear those same words echoing in our first lesson today in the Gospel of Luke. John the Baptist appears on the scene and he says, prepare the way. And then he quotes another prophet, Isaiah, the valleys will be lifted, the mountains will be made low and the crooked will be made straight and everyone will see the salvation of God. 
whenever we tend to think about the coming end of the world, the coming of God in fullness to complete everything, we tend to come up with all kind of crazy scenarios, crazy images and speculation. We're really good at that. It must be human nature to keep imagining the end of the world. How many movies are about this, the end times and the way things will evolve at the end? How many books want to imagine and speculate about the coming of God? Imaginations and speculations about the future can be, or they seem to be, so compelling for us. And if you've been reading anything about ISIS, the fanatical group ISIS is motivated in part by their belief that they can bring about the end of the world through their violence and through their terror. They're so motivated that they're going to reject every effort for peace as a matter of principle, it seems. Their religious views about what they're doing to bring about the apocalypse are so entrenched that they're not going to negotiate with anybody. They believe their efforts will bring about the end of the world. Friends, our faith is far different from that. Christians and our idea about the end of the world and God completing everything is very, very different from that. This is why we say with confidence those words in the Apostles' Creed, Jesus comes to judge the quick and the dead. It's not about violence. It's not about terror. It's about God and God's grace redeeming the whole world. It's not something that involves terror. It's something that involves grace and hope for the whole world. It's not something to be feared. This Jesus coming to judge the quick and the dead, it's something to welcome and anticipate and watch for as we light candles and pray for as Advent people, because God's love, while it might be judging, is also renewing. It's not a consuming fire of death and destruction. It's a refining fire, as Malachi reminds us. Here's how one of our statements of faith puts it very succinctly. All things will be renewed in Christ As he stands at the center of our history, we are confident he will stand at the end. He will judge all people and all nations. Evil will be condemned and rooted out of God's good creation. There will be no more tears or pain. All things will be made new. The fellowship of human beings with God and with one another will be perfected. That's what we watch for and wait for and pray for. God's coming. We often doubt with our own lives God's presence. We often doubt God's power in our lives and in the world. And maybe we're doing that especially in these days. Doubting God's presence and God's power. But the great promise of the gospel and the great promise of Advent is this. Our God comes. Our God comes to establish God's reign in the world. And it's not a reign of violence, but a reign of peace. It's not heartache, but hope. It's not terror and tears. It's love and life. God comes and prevails. This is the biblical hope in which we live. God comes and does not let evil and loss and guns and death have the last word. 
God keeps God's promises. God's covenant is forever. I will not leave you desolate, says our Lord. I am with you to the close of the age, says our Lord. Nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the promise. So how shall we live? How shall we live in these days? There is such a thing as an ethic of anticipation. That is a great phrase to me. Think about it. An ethic of anticipation. It's a wonderful phrase for Advent. It means that we are to live a certain way, anticipating that our God comes. Since we know that God comes to refine and to renew, since we know God completes the whole world, since we know that God wins and God's love holds, we know how to live. We know how to live. Trusting God, open to God's coming, we seek to live with love and care, commitment and compassion everywhere so our lives will be aligned with God's coming and God's justice. Baptized into the faith as surely was today, trusting that God's love claims us as we all trust that, we're sent forward in discipleship, loving and serving God, fed at this table, nourished in faith. We seek to watch for God's coming and work for it with our individual lives as a community in this city, in all we do, we trust God and we keep serving God. An ethic of anticipation. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we believe. Help our unbelief. And by your power and by your spirit, Move us and move the world closer to your coming in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.